You're listening to Emmy Award-winning host, Jordan J. Adams. If you are looking to increase your performance, looking to get better at what you do, uh, be a better family member, better with your colleagues, be a better leader on teams that you might be on at work, boy, do we have the show for you today. CEO of Heads Up Performance, Tom Hansen. Dr. Hansen is a certified professional coach with over 30 years experience coaching, speaking, and training. He has a doctorate in sports psychology from the University of Virginia and uses his expertise in human performance to evoke excellence in professional athletes, CEOs, and other corporate performers. Formerly a tenured professor at Skidmore College, Dr. Hansen co-authored the book, Heads Up Baseball, Playing the Game One Pitch at a Time, which has sold more than 55,000 copies worldwide. His website, focusedbaseball.com, is a mental toughness resource for players, coaches, and parents. Dr. Hansen, thank you for joining us today. All right, cool. Thanks for the introduction. It's great having you, and uh, maybe we could start off with a little bit of, um, you know, how you got into uh, baseball, how you got into coaching, and a little bit of your history. The big factor for me, I think, was uh, just um, what I was given. You know, we kind of geared dealt a hand in life, um, and I was big and strong and fast um, as before other people were, and so I was really good at sports, and I dominated for the most part in whatever I did. I mean, like say through grade school. So that really rewarded me f- um, for going into sport. I did that. My family was very musical. And so it was also as the youngest, uh, I you know, gravitated <laughs> towards something else. And um, so that was in, in many ways, I think why I was into sports and uh, gradually people caught up to me um, physically. So that kind of went largely away. Um, but I will say that um, I, what I, I am a learner, like a chronic learner. And when I hit my first real adversity in sports as a junior, where I didn't get the playing time that I thought I should have had, um, I went to the basement in Minnesota. I went to the basement, read a couple books on hitting and really worked out hitting. And I came out and just crushed. I just had a fantastic year. So that, that really, I think, ignited me in terms of like, oh, okay, I have to work at this, but I love to learn. I love to learn, love to read. And then I like to apply, apply stuff. Um, I don't always apply what I read and learn, but uh, um, those two coming together really brought it out. And then the last piece would be that I, I had to declare a major when I was a sophomore in high school or in college. I didn't know what I wanted to major in. I had, I sat, literally sat down in my bedroom and said, what do I mean? It's like, well, I want sport, sports. I love sports. It's like, okay, well, what's something real? I like my psych class because they just tell you things that you already know, but they just put words to it. So it was easy. And two weeks later, I saw a book I can see right over there on my shelf to this day called Sports Psyching. It's like sports psyching. I was in a, like a Barnes and Noble or whatever it was at the time. And I, it's like, oh, there's a field called sports psychology. And I've been in it ever since. And I love how you apply uh, the sports metaphor to life in general life, work, family, how excellence in sport uh, can be uh, transformed and and transferred 
over to family life and work in general. You've applied the principles and gone to the top of your field, uh, working for a couple of small companies, uh, the New York Yankees, Microsoft, just to name a couple. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, tell us uh, what you were doing with the Yankees. Well, I was doing uh, director of sports psychology or mental performance, really helping them be more confident, focused, and consistent, and then also helping on the communication front. So it's, it's really uh, one of the key applications, for example, was like people were coming out of AAA, the highest level of the minor leagues, from Columbus, Ohio, to New York City. That's a huge jump. And they're getting a little overwhelmed mentally, emotionally. And so I, I was um, tasked with helping prepare them mentally and emotionally for that jump. Um, and you know, dealing with the adversity that comes in baseball, you know, it's a lot like sales. <laughs> There's just a lot of failure. There's a lot of times you go up to, to the to bat, whether literally or figuratively, and you don't get what you want. And you can't really even control it. So how do you deal with that? It's a lot of locking into the process, figuring out what you need to do, get to know yourself. What do you do well? As mentioned before we went on the air, my son hitting with a bunch of big leaguers yesterday, my son's in high school, independently i asked hey big leaguer guy can you come over here and give me some words what words of advice to my son it's like uh, uh, be yourself they both said the same thing be yourself figure out what you love and also what you bring to the table like i said i was born with certain th things um what do you do naturally and hitting it be like are you a home run guy or you a get on base and steal guy and if you're a get on base and steal guy build wise and you're trying to hit home runs you're not being yourself and it's the same thing in any area of life. Uh, you know, what are you good at? What are, you, what are your natural skills? Yes, you obviously get much better at, at it and work on things you aren't as good at. Though you really got to get to know yourself and see how good you can be at being the best version of yourself. I love the idea of um, being true to yourself and using um, all of those talents and skills you already have and refining them. And I'm excited to drill down on the keys to great performance. Uh, but I want to tout your credentials just a little bit more for anyone who's still deciding whether to keep listening or not, because this is our, this is the, that key one minute in a podcast where you where I want to hook everyone in. Uh, you also worked for a small little company called Microsoft. What were you doing with, with the gang over there? I did some stuff um, at different levels. Um, the biggest one I did was I emceed a regional event and uh, uh, a Latin, Latin American event. And um, it was a lot of things that I, you know, it was a really challenging because I really wasn't as prepared as for what was going to happen as I wanted to be. And so it really called on my, uh, you know, athleticism, you know, reacting in the moment um, to be able to do that. And what we, um, so, um, so it was, it was that, it was leading groups to try and get everyone on the same page um, in terms of, of cohesive team building um, would, would be a, a typical um, term for it. And then also my wife Birgit and I do a lot with accountability training we have a book called who will do what by when we'll be talking about that for sure yeah it's a business fable and it's about a process for communicating to 
to build accountability where things get done. It's not so much about accountability as it is we want to get stuff done. We have a strategy and here's where we want to go, but it really becomes about executing. And um, so it's, it's just that design to play and then run the play. And this, this guy has to block this guy. He does it on paper. This guy blocks this guy and he runs for a touchdown. But, you know, in reality, it isn't as easy as it looks on paper. So it's really about helping people really execute in the real world. Now I'm excited to drill down on that. And I'm going to, for the people who are uh, checking us out on video, I'm holding up a copy of the book right now, Who Will Do What by When, co-authored, as you were mentioning, by your wife, Birgit, who um, also is a heavy hitter. <laughs> That's what I love the baseball. The baseball analogies always transfer so well. If you've noticed that, I think that Absolutely. sport more than any other sport is applied. There's so many sayings, you know, like yeah. you know. it just covers that sport just covers all the bases. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> let's see if we can hit one out of the park in this interview here. <laughs> so let's talk about the book because it is fantastic. And you had mentioned, you know, the accountability piece. Um, and there's a whole there's a whole chart here um, that uh, that is so great. And I want to go through the chart piece by piece because by the end of the show, I think if people can apply this chart, they're going to absolutely kill it. Um, the accountability piece is so important, isn't it? Because um, if, you have, if you've made sort of that proclamation, and I think you even have something in your chart where you make like a declaration. declaration yeah. Once you make that declaration, that proclamation, and you make it public, and you tell three or four people, I want you to hold me accountable to this, it really, uh, it really changes the game. No doubt. Absolutely. Uh, and where I'm accountable is the areas that I really make rapid growth. And, and if I'm not uh, holding either myself or someone holding me accountable, I don't grow or perform as, as effectively. It's, it's a very much a, a game changer. You want to be motivated and, and have stuff be performance, be a, a, a self-expression where it isn't about, about the accountability. Um, but it's, a, it, you know, it's just part of the yin-yang you know, of it all. It's like, yes, you want people to be internally motivated. <laughs> and yet you know, we also want someone to hold us to account for what we say that we want to do. And that's a lot of what coaching's about. That's even a paraphrase of some, some famous coach of, you know, holding people accountable to do the things that they really want to do. Because as humans, we, it gets a little hard and it's easy for our minds to drift off and go somewhere else. Yeah. And, and I think, I would like to clarify too, because I had the, I was under the uh, mistaken notion that, you know, initially accountability almost had a little bit of a negative uh, twang to it. Like, you know, I'm going to hold you accountable, sir. You know, almost like a parent sternly mm -hmm. kind of in a negative warning, but that's not what it's about. Is it? The accountability is more like once you've told me what your dream is and what your vision is, you know, I'm going to remind you, of this is what you wanted right that's different yep yeah it is it's a great great point because accountability especially in a corporate world does carries it's a it has a bit of a heavy stick um to it and that's a lot of what the book is about is well how do you do it powerfully but not forcefully one of my favorite distinctions power versus force powerfully it's like how, how can i do that 
so that it really produces the result, but not forcefully like I'm clubbing you over the head to do it. And that's at the heart of the book. And a lot of it ends up being, there's a language, there's certain terms um, and ideas that, that people do. Because if you think of a really great teacher you had, it's like, well, she was tough, but she, you know, she, she was also nice. And she's the one person that I call up <laughs> 20 years later um, is the one that held me accountable, but it wasn't like a, with a club. It was almost like with love. Um, so it didn't necessarily seem that at the time, but looking back, it's like, wow, how'd you do that? Is this a real teacher for you? Uh-huh. Ah, interesting. Absolutely. I'm glad you made that distinction because I've noticed that as well. If I feel the person who is mentoring me or coaching me really loves me or has my best interest at, at hand, um, I want to impress them. Like I want to make them happy. Like it's, it's a drive to show them that their belief in me is warranted. Yeah. Whereas conversely, someone who I feel is just being abusive and has disregard for me, uh, I will go the opposite. I will purposely sabotage my own work just because I don't respect the guy who's saying that you should be doing right. better. And I tell you that one of my favorite distinctions, and I don't know if to, to, to draw it, but um, is like, why is it that some coaches or teachers or bosses, but I was talking coaches when I first heard this from Tim Galway, who wrote Inner Game of Tennis. It's like, well, why is it that some coaches are like really tough? They run you hard and we're going to be here at 6 a.m. and you're going to la, la, la. And Hanson, you're, you're terrible and la, la, la. Why some people be really ch what I could call, call challenging and we hate them? Like that guy's an asshole. And then another guy, say Mike Krzyzewski of uh, basketball at Duke, he yells at his guys all the time. He's like yelling, ah, rah, rah. But then when you talk to the players, it's like, hey, if we're going to, if he says, hey, can you walk across? <laughs> hey, could you walk from Cleveland to Orlando for me, please? He, that you do it because you love the guy. Right. So what is the difference? And the difference is, is the perceived care. How much does that coach or person care about you as a person? If it's high, then they can challenge you and you, you rise because you know they're doing it for you. The, the asshole is the person's pushing you and it's about them and their ego, um, whether to be the cool person that's pushing you hard or the performance is going to reflect on them. So it's all about them. And that, that perceived care, how much does the person perceive you care about them and you're pushing them or holding them account because essentially you love them? Or is it, are they holding you to account and challenge you because it's about their ego? That's just, that's huge, the big one. Huge that's, thing, yeah. and what's so big about that is that that can be applied, not just on the baseball field, but that can be applied in my family that can be applied at work with my colleagues. It can be applied at, you know, in the neighborhood with my friends. And uh, if I'm coming from that, what's up for them? What do they need? Where are they hurting? Where are they needing a helping hand? And I'm, I have a, a service mentality. How do I service them? And it's not coming from, oh, this, as soon as I give a $20 donation to this guy, that's going to make me look real good. Like if it's not coming, <laughs> it's not going to come from that. It's coming from the dude needs food. I'm giving him 20 bucks. Cause I don't, I, his stomach must hurt. 
two different uh, intentions. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's big. Where is the person coming from? And so the key to that then is doing the work on yourself so that your own ego is is able to be held enough in check that it really is about the other person because you can't really fake that. And that's what's so great about the book. I'll say it again. Who will do what by when? And that is authored by Dr. Tom Hansen and his beautiful bride, Birgit Zacher Hansen. A great book. And you, in the book, detail piece by piece by piece how to do that, how to come from that place, and how to. Uh, I love the chart you have in here. There's a gap, and I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to go back to the master here and tell me if I if I got the gist of it. There's a gap, and the gap is. I'm here, but I want to be, you know, I'm at space A, but I want to be at space B. Yep. So I'm going to make that declaration you and I were talking about. I'm going to say, Dr. Hansen, I want to 3X my income this year. There's my yep. declaration with, that you're going to hold me accountable to. After the declaration in the book, it says you then make a request. Can you uh, drill down a little bit on what that means? Yeah, a request is the, the, the bottom line formula to it is, hey, will you do X by Y? We do X by Y. So making requests of other people. Now you can, the goal of that is to get a promise. So in this case, we'd be looking at, uh, so what will you do to close that gap? You want to 3X that, what will you do? We also use a grow model a lot in this, in, in this dynamic and it plugs in really well to this model in that grow, G stands for goal. So what's the goal? Hey, 3X. Uh, R is reality. Where, where are you now? Well, I'm at, this amount and I, I want i'm at x right <laughs> i want three x okay that's the gap and then oh what are options what are ways what are actions that you can take um to close that gap and then w who will do what by when what will you do <laughs> so O is brainstorming what are some things you could do and then then you really kick back into the model at who will do what by when, what in this case will you do, <laughs> and by when will you do it? And it's that by when piece that ends up being huge. You know, playing what we call the by when card, where it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do this, or I'm gonna do that. Oh yeah, by when? And it's just staggeringly missing in the business world, uh, in almost any world, um, as obvious as it is, that's why we wrote the book is we just found that this is about blocking and tackling. This is, this is business, the essence, like the DNA, it's blocking and tackling and, or throwing and catching, making and honoring promises. And a promise has the elements of who will do what and by when will you do it? I like to add why in there, but that's, that's, that's well, it's in there too, but it's, um, it's, and it's super important, but the bottom line, <laughs> is who will do what by when. And so the, that, that ends up being the key. What will you do by when? And then there's a whole chain of events that's coming up. Yeah, the power there. piece on that, which I really love and I'm, I've been applying, um, and I'll give an example in my own life with, you know, my wife will ask me to do something. And before I would just say yes, because I want her to be happy. I want, you know, smooth operations at the house. And I would just say yes. And then I would yep. get a resentment if it was something that I felt like I couldn't do by a certain amount of time. And I would start resenting. Um, and, it, and it became a negative influence in our lives. 
And what I love in the book is after you've made this request, now the person who is uh, being asked to do something now has a choice. They can say yes, or they can say no, or they right. can renegotiate and say, well, I could do that, uh, but I'm going to need to do it by Y uh, instead of by X. Um, what I love about that is, like you said, it's like taking these fundamentals of sports that make you a better team and applying it at work or applying it at your life. It's, it's very applicable because that's going to really help to clarify the situation with me and my wife next time. I'm not saying no to her. I'm saying, you know, yeah, I might be saying yes, but I won't resent it because the yes will be a real yes. Otherwise, I would just say, no, can't do or, or can do, but can't do by Wednesday. And that helps keep the energy clear between me and my wife. And that shows up in a lot in the workplace. Well, in, in the rest of life, too, of people saying yes when they know they're not going to do it or they know well, it's like if I just said yes to this and there's no physical way I can if I could do it. But if I do it, then these other promises are going to fall behind. But you can't say no. So if, it's, if you can't say no, then it's not a request. It's a command. And that's much more of what we see in the business place is more commands than requests. Um, but even, even so, then, then it's like the skillful is to say, okay, I could do X by Y. Um, if I do that, though, I'm going to take these resources and I'm going to have to renegotiate these other agreements. I said I would do A by B, and I said I would do D by E, and I can't do those if I do X by Y. And that's a level of maturity and adult to adult conversation that is really lacking. You know, the transactional thing of a parent child dynamic, we want to go like adult adult. And this isn't like everything is okay. Um, kumbaya, let's everyone is equal. It isn't, it doesn't mean that. It just means you're going to deal with reality. It's like a commitment to reality. What can you actually do? And by when can you do it? Um, and, uh, you know, there's research on it where company where there's with like deliveries of sometimes different companies. And this company actually delivered more on time than this company but this company was perceived better because they really communicated a, better than this one about when they are late. So the perception of this one was better wow. than this one because these guys communicated more about, hey, I'm running, we're running 15 minutes late or you're supposed to get this package today. You're going to end up getting it tomorrow. We're very sorry about that. Is there anything else we could do for you? That kind of renegotiating what was called in the model there, um, renegotiating before the deadline <laughs> um, is, is, is huge because what we're really talking about is integrity. And by that, we mean the being true to your word. Um, I said, I will do X by Y. Do you do it? Well, no one keeps all their promises, but you can honor them. If you, it's just before, um, the, if before the deadline, you realize I can't make that deadline. Then it's like the integrity clock starts ticking. <laughs> Because as soon as you know you can't do what you promised, you should say that you couldn't. You declare that I can't do this. Would I be okay if I did it by Friday? Um, and, or you're just running late for a meeting. You know you're going to be late. Do you communicate that or do you just blow on through it? That's then the people that you trust. And trust is the lubricant 
for a business or for in a family, any relationship, trust is the lube that has it moving smoothly and quickly or not. You know what's counterintuitive in that? Uh, since I started applying this, it's really empowering to admit and to say, hey, I said I was going to do this by Tuesday. I cannot do it. I apologize, first, off, first of all. Mm-hmm. Secondly, um, I want to figure out the three or four or five ways I can make it up to you. And I know I can get it to you on Thursday. But, you know, first, I'm a, I feel very sorry that I didn't meet my deadline and wanted to be really clear about that. And here's why. And I want to make it up to you. That would almost feel like I fought that for a long time. Like I would kind of run from, oh, I really screwed this up. And I said, I was going to do it on Tuesday. And now I don't want to, I try to avoid the person, you know, like, cause I, cause I'm embarrassed that I didn't do what I said I was going to do. Like you said, you can't always do what you say you're going to do. Things are going to happen. So a, there's no shame in it. So you don't need to run from the person. And B, not only did I not need to run from the person, but when I said, hey, I said I was going to do X and I didn't, and I feel badly about it, I'm going to do it on Thursday. But in the meantime, what can I do to make it up to you? It makes you feel great. It made me feel great when I started doing that. It was like I was filling up my body with power because mm-hmm. I was taking my power back. Yeah. It was really amazing. Yeah. Yeah, there's the three levels that are affected by in, in or out of integrity. One is the task itself. Like if I said I do X by Y and I don't do X, then X isn't done, obviously. So that is one aspect, the domain. The second is the relationship. If I say, hey, uh, yeah, I'll be there for 12 o'clock for, our, for the podcast recording, and then I don't show up, well, you know, that dings us next time. You know, what am I going to say? Uh, you, know, you know, it's like, hey, yeah, I'll be there at noon, right? And it's like, okay, well, you said that last time. <laughs> if it happens a few times, then the trust is, it's like, you don't even want to deal with the person. And the third domain is with yourself. When, like what you were speaking to, when I say I'll do X by Y and I do it, I gain personal power and strength and self, my self-image is boosted. And if I don't, if I say, okay, this is the Monday's the day, no more <laughs> M&Ms, um, for every meal, um, but I'm chowing to M&Ms on all day Monday, <laughs> then I'm like, then I, I, I don't believe myself, my own reputation, self-esteem is a reputation yeah. you have with yourself. Yeah. And then it's just two different lives, you know, yeah. how well you said. see yourself, your own self-image. Yeah. Like, well, how do I build self-image? Well, make and keep promises with yourself. Right. Little right. ones at first and then keep getting bigger. Very, very powerful. Um, I want to talk more about the book because it's so good and there's so much in here. Um, we'll talk a cup about a couple more of the of the techniques, but first I wanted to clarify because this is another uh, thing that was interesting about the book itself and that most books kind of just lay out the technique, which is great, and lay out the concepts, which is great. Um, I, I'm very appreciative of all that. But one of the extra things that you guys did, which I think is really cool, is you wrote the book in a parable form. Uh, we follow Jake, who is a, a mid-30s, mid-level manager whose uh, dream of playing professional baseball was snuffed out by a knee injury. And what made it so fun was it, it's almost like uh, 
you know, the, the fiction part of it, the storytelling and where, you know, we're story, we're, humans love stories. We're story, we've been storytellers since day one. There's something about that that makes the learning even more deep for me. Yeah. I, I wanted to have us write a book that I would want to read. And so that was a lot of fun. We'd, we'd never done fiction. I'd written a co- uh, one book prior to this one, uh, a baseball one that was more of the recipe texty book kind of thing which is great but um i it's just that element of story that it that it anchors it in and you get drawn into the story and then you're not it's more almost unconscious learning as you're following the story your brain is taking it in i think it's more receptive um that way and then you have it's built in examples it's a it's one big long (laughs) example of of the items and um so that was a lot of fun. And Birgit, we had some help along the way. Um, Birgit, who is who's really like, she's not here right now because she's teaching this in, uh, you know, to a bunch of high level executives. Um, and it's, um, she has a, uh, a client who is a, like, went from a very low level to Emmy winning <laughs> writer. And we got a bunch of help from her. Like we had at first, it's like, okay, well, they're married and they're going to go through this divorce, the, the relationship aspect. And she's like, that's a little heavy. You know, that'd be distracting. How about this? Just his girlfriend. Oh, okay. <laughs> and started it, you know, in a different place. And, and, you know, we just got a lot of really great help um, with the elements like that, that, um, that made it really fun. And I think had it come out really well that we were open we made requests of other people could you please read this and give us feedback you know oh sure it's like okay well we're working on it so by when would you get us that feedback wow like that yeah you had some some real uh heavy endorsements uh let's talk about application um i know that you have a family i have a family and you know with um with kids, it can be challenging. Um, early on in the book, uh, the protagonist um, was kind of up in his head, trying to get all the concepts together and what well, doesn't really work. And if I try it this way, then it would work. But if I did, it might not work. And his coach says, the only way to change behavior is to practice it on the field. Talking about it in the dugout doesn't do the trick. And that brought up, when I read that, I said, the words imperfect action came up uh, to me, like take action, just, just yeah. do it. Right. Like just like that, that's that old saying, <laughs> I can come back to Nike. I'll give them props The just do it is so good. Uh, do it, make it, make a million mistakes. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the thing. And um, that I, we can try to capture in the book is he does things and some things go well, but some things don't. And then he comes back and, and it's, it's, it's really to me about dealing with reality because you can, that's part of why we want to make it a story too, to, to, to push it in as much as you could into reality. Um, because it's, I've got tons of books around here, but if it stays a concept and I never put it into action, it really doesn't help me that much. It can be fun to learn. I enjoy it, but learning really one definition I like means a change in behavior. So that if you say, oh, I know how to, I, I know how to do that. Like weight loss. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I know how to lose weight. Oh yeah. Are you at your ideal weight then? No, no, I'm not I, like 15, 20 pounds over. 
Okay. Do you want to lose the weight? Oh, yeah, I do. And I know you know how. Yeah, I know how. Well, I don't think you know how <laughs> because you're missing something. Oh, diet and exercise. Well, no, you haven't produced the result, <laughs> so you don't know how. Oh, yes, I do. I know how to know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, there's something you're missing <laughs> because you aren't doing it. And you say you want to, but you aren't. So, yeah, there's something that you're missing. And that, you know, that's the thing. Oh, I know how. Well, no, you don't. <laughs> and that's where coaching comes right. in. It's so much of showing you things that you kind of think you know, but there's this gap. I remember talking with this yeah. Matt, Matt Fury where I was in a seminar. He's an amazing human being um, you know, as an athlete, but also as a marketing businessman. And he's, I was in his seminar and he goes, okay, now we're going to talk about goal setting. And, and PhD boy here goes, oh, you know, that was like the first week of grad school. <laughs> I, I know, goal setting. And then he's going through it and it's pretty s straightforward. But what hit me is like, oh my gosh, he actually does it. He does it. <laughs> like it's wow. a daily goal. And it's like, I don't have a daily goal. I don't, you know, I don't do it like what he's talking about. It's not that it's a rocket science, what he was saying. It's that he did it. And what is that gap? What, what causes that gap? And that's where you venture into this unknown. It's like, there's a lot of unconscious stuff that comes up. Like we can sit here and say, hey, ask the person, will you do X by Y? And they say, yes, then, oh, you know, we got it. It's like, no. It's not going to be that simple. It might be, as you use these words, but there's so much more going on that, you know, who's to say it's just not so easy. And that's what we also want to portray in the book. It's like, okay, we're going to make it, it, it I can't help but make it sound easy. Um, but we get that it's just not going to work. I, I liken it so much to football in that you'd see a play on paper. You got the X's blocking the O's or the O's blocking the X's and okay, this O blocks this X and then this guy blocks this guy and this guy and he runs here for a touchdown. Well, it doesn't go that way because this, this little X is a 325 pound guy who's getting paid to, t to blow this whole thing up. And it can seem like that in the office that the guy down the hall is like playing defense against getting stuff done. And um, so, but if, but you, they, that doesn't mean they don't run plays. They design plays and run them, but you might get three yards. Okay. Let's do another play. Oh, you might get seven. Oh, it's a first down. And now let's run this play. And, and just like to get stuff done, you keep running these plays <laughs> and take what you get and then make an adjustment and go from there. So it's, it's not, you know, we don't mean to portray this like, Oh, accountability is simple. It's, it might, well, it might be sort of simple, but it's not easy. You know, it's, it's messy. Humans, it's messy. But if, but what we're looking to do is give people a clear game plan. Here's the play we're going to run. <laughs> because if you don't have plays, then it's all, uh, it's total chaos. And it'd be luck if anything gets done. Yeah, even though things can change, that doesn't mean you don't set out the best possible course initially. And of yep. course, you're going to have to make adjustments. Yep. One of the distinctions that I really like that you made um, regarding the person who is overweight and is saying, oh, no, 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 I know how to fix this. No, I, I do know what I, I do know how to do it. And you keep saying to them, no, you don't. Now, 
initially that continual no you don't coming from coach tom might seem negative but until you heard the distinction and you told me you wanted to do this so that distinction that you added to it told me immediately that you weren't just trying to be you know a hard ass with her by saying no you don't know how to do it no you don't know how to do it no no you said you didn't do it and you told me you wanted to so clearly you don't know how to because you said you wanted to but you didn't so that distinction see to me would say okay coach tom has my back he just wants me to do what i said i want he's not trying to get me to lose weight because it'll make him look good as a coach i told him i wanted to lose weight big distinction for me any of the people out there who you know <laughs> are a little bit uh combative you know certainly me like if i feel like someone's coming at me you know that whole disrespect thing which i'm working on you know that's a we go down that rabbit hole of no one can really disrespect you. It's, it's always your inter internal conversation about the data, the external data that's going on, but you can't really, but just on that rudimentary level, if I feel like a guy doesn't get me, a coach doesn't get me, I lose respect for them. And I feel like they don't have my back. Like, why would I, why would I try to work so hard just because they're got an ego thing going on? Right. Yep. Yeah. It's big, real big. Let's talk a little bit more about some of the chapters because um, I love how you uh, at one point uh, applied it in relationships as well, applied some of this technology. Um, I think it's the second chapter. You had a little standout section where it says, how could each of these people see the same relationship so differently? That's the gap you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's for me, what the biggest thing I, I usually I try and start, or get to as soon as I can human design that information comes into our senses we perceive it we compare it we we have our belief system we make it mean something we tend to think that way we make it mean is the truth but it's really just the meaning that we're giving it and I look at each of us as being on our own it's like we're on our own planet and there's our own <laughs> laws and and of you know physics that might apply in different areas it's like Oh my gosh, I can't believe. I mean, just look at our political situation. It's like very smart people completely see something totally different. Wow, yeah. How how is that even possible? Yep. And some you know, I think of like people you know, looked at the World Trade Center and I was like, "Wow, it's amazing." And some guys go, "You know what? We could hijack planes and fly it into them." And the other guys like, "Yeah, that'd be great." like what how how could you see that as a good idea and so there's a, you know innumerable examples that you could give it's like it's just it's super frustrating but it's it's fascinating that that people that there isn't like it's there's the reality in terms of like the desk being there but then the new quantum physics people could break that down but if i i would still trip over this if i ran into it mm. whether i believed in it or not mm. there are things like that um it's just that uh, the perception and the meaning that's made is so personal and so individualized that that's where this language comes in of oh i have a request will you do x because there's so otherwise there's just so much room for interpretation mm. that and that's what we're trying to cut through is that everyone can see it differently but can you get to some really crystal clear language? And even still, yeah, I'll do X by Y, but what do you mean by X? You know, 
yeah, like my son. Yeah, my room's picked up. And you walk in, it's like, <laughs> think this is picked up. We have different standards for X, you know? Right. It's like solve for X. And and so it's it, it, just an ongoing challenge. And that's the heart of it right there, is that we all have a lens. And it's like, well, is baseball stressful? Is your work stressful? Is traffic stressful? My phrase for it is, it depends on the lens. So it depends on the lens that you're seeing it through. You know, if you're with someone, it's fun. You know, if you and I were in the car and traffic, oh, we blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it just doesn't matter. But if I'm late, you know, or, or, or I'm with someone that I don't like talking to, <laughs> then it's torture, right? Or you're in traffic, delayed 15 minutes. Is that stressful? It depends on the lens. You know, and everyone's coming in with their own lens. Nobody had their same hand at birth and then same parents and the same third grade teacher and what all these variables that come into play that you just can't know. I'd had a coach once who said, oh, I stopped uh, in 1986. I stopped saying the words, I understand. Mm -hmm. Because I got so clear that I don't know what you are saying. I have my interpretation of what you're saying, mm. but to say, Oh, I understand. Or I know what you mean. It's like, you know, mm. you don't really know what I mean. You seems like you do. <laughs> and there can be enough overlap between our two realities that you, that we can coordinate action effectively. But I know what you mean when you're really, if you were drilled down like two levels, you'd probably, wouldn't know what the person means so and you can't just get tied up by that and say i don't know what you mean all the time um so i'm not going to even talk to you it's not that it's just an appreciation of the design of humans that we each have our own perceptual realities that that gives rise to the need for our book <laughs> um and other things but in this case we're talking about this where it's like will you do x by y you know, it ought to be, well, what do you mean by X? It's called the standards of satisfaction. Let's let, okay, I'm, I'll do X by Y, but I, I th I'll talk, I think about it, but, but let's clarify what you mean by X. And then you drill down because you're not agreeing on what X means in all likelihood. Yeah. And in, in the title, who will do what by when there's a, an awful lot of clarity in that. It's, it's a, like drilling down to the raw facts um, in the accountability. So there's a clarity in the accountability. So when you can get that meaning, uh, what that person's meaning is, you both get on the same page about what that meaning is. And it, it makes me think of that book by uh, Viktor Frankl, A Man's Search for Meaning, where most people are gonna say, boy, that, you know, that, uh, that genocide camp was not that pleasant, but he was, literally searching for meaning in it and he was one of the few survivors yeah. uh, his body didn't degrade at the same pace that the other prisoners bodies degraded mm -hmm. um he was searching for meaning in that so like if if that can if, if that can happen we know there's a wide range we know there's a wide range of meanings that are assigned to data by different people um what seven billion people on the planet and seven billion different meanings so one of the one of the things that i've noticed um that's been very useful for me is taking a beat um 
between the stimulus and the response. So, you know, when Pavlov's dog bell rings, I now try to take that beat before I salivate. Or when, you know, my daughter, God bless her heart, gets in a, a little bit of a fit, I take a beat before reacting to it and say, okay, what is this noise that's disturbing me? What actually is it? And I drill all the way down to it's, it's air percussion. It's percussion going through the air. So why should I let that damage my body? Because that's what happens when I have a negative thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There, there is the element of it, air moving through. If it goes forcefully enough, it can give you a concussion or knock you across the room. Right. But usually that's not the case if someone is just talking. So, right, really understanding that to me is like the essence of certainly the mental game of something mental game of life is like getting that oh i'm not i mean the whole real freak show is like i look and i see say this camera and it seems like i'm looking out at the camera but what's really happening is light is coming off it and it's going in my eye and then my brain is forming an image of it and perceiving it out there at the same time you know so realizing that how we're functioning like Oh, and my feelings are really the result of my thinking. So I'm feeling my thinking. So is a, the mantra that I'm working with now. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling this. Yeah, I'm feeling my thinking. To just get that, there's a, there isn't it isn't the outside thing. It's you're thinking about it, and you've all we've all heard that. And you say, oh yeah, I know. It seems like a just a semantics or a trivial thing, but it is the heart of it. You know, another way to put the same thing is what you're talking about, taking a beat to, between the stimulus and response. I, my uh, model I use is instead of SR, stimulus response, I go S and then right in the arrow, put an arrow up um, for awareness. Oh, look at me get upset. <laughs> and then choice, what choice do I want to make? So I call it the SAC model, stimulus awareness choice versus stimulus response. And, you know, easier said than done. Um, but if you don't make that distinction, then you never, you know, have a chance. You're just a automaton running your uh, on default mode. I absolutely love what you just said, especially the, I am feeling my thinking, man, I'm going to really put that in the permanent memory bank. I'm feeling <laughs> my thinking. I'm feeling my thinking. I'm not, I'm not angry because someone did X. I'm angry because I'm feeling my thinking about X. Yeah. And that is a, a, boy, if I don't walk with anything else out of this conversation, I'm going to remember that uh, I'm feeling my thinking. Just a heads up, <laughs> no pun intended for everyone out there. We are talking with Dr. Tom Hansen. He's the CEO of Heads Up Performance. He wrote the book, Heads Up Baseball, Playing the Game One Pitch at a Time. And he also wrote the book we're talking about today, Who Will Do What by When. And one of my favorite chapters, without a doubt, in the book is, uh, is headed, Comfortable Being Uncomfortable. This is something you and I have talked about in the past. And it kind of goes along the, in, in some way, I, I, I liken it to biohacking in that I'm willing to do hard things now physically because I know there's a huge payoff for it. Uh, and then you, you went on to mention, I've found almost everything really valuable that I've ever wanted in my life 
was sitting there right outside of my comfort zone. Really important chapter. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, yeah, it's confronting in a way to hear you read that because it's easier <laughs> to write it in a book than it is to live it and do it. There's that <laughs> gap between, oh, yeah, I know that. I should do all these things. I'm not going to eat until noon today. It's like, yeah. So, um, you know, it's it just, that's how it goes. I, I, and it's also not. You know, I have a coach, um, a certified, I actually met Birgit at a at a, at a uh, one day intro to a coaching program with this guy Julio Olaya and um, he he always emphasized like as soon as you say it's something is this I bet I can show you multiple examples where it's not that mm. <laughs> like mm. um, like it's because I have the competing thing is like oh the law of attraction would say do things that feel good <laughs> and yet I totally agree that with what you just wrote that it's stuff right outside my comfort zone like which is it that's the whole yin yang thing. Mm. both i don't want to have my whole life be outside of my comfort zone because it's beyond really uncomfortable but at the same time it is still is that true so as soon as i go to yes that is right it's also well there's also this other side um so and life is that the dance between the two um so you know, that to me, I've been, uh, I wasn't into it so much at the time I wrote this, but now I frame it in terms of stoicism. Like the, the Stoics wrote a lot about that, uh, about doing things you're uncomfortable. Um, like a picture, just like go take a cold bath, you know, to, to just show the body who's boss. You know, it's a, I'm the, the brain, <laughs> my chooser is that my body, you're going to respond to that. I'm going to be, have it be the bot, like a dog, sit, you're going to sit and meditate <laughs> and your dog sit. And um, so it's, it's, um, it's a, tr it's a tricky one because that in terms of really getting better, that's where it's like the accountability piece. Yes. I might play baseball because I love baseball it's hard to love it all the time. It's like, oh, today I don't feel like taking ground balls, <laughs> you know, but ah, I'm going to break through that. It's outside of my comfort zone, but I'm going to go and do this anyway. It really is so much of the best stuff because in, in life comes that way. It's like from, you know, applying to a school to, a, you know, going up to a girl and ask her to dance. I'm not comfortable, but so much of the, the good stuff, but it could smack you back the other way too. Um, so it's all just that, that dance of, um, of the yin and yang. Um, that's just fascinating to me. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, and I, I wasn't expecting that response from you because I was, it, well, I can only speak for me, obviously. Some of my favorite guys, I believe, are some of your favorite guys. Uh, you and I both like Wim Hof, mm -hmm. the Iceman. We both like uh, Dr. Dispenza, Joe Dispenza. Yeah, Those guys will tell you, I believe, that, you know, uh, Wim will tell you your joy is in that ice pond. That's yeah. where you're going to have your joy. Dr. Dispenza will tell you your joy is in telling the dogs to sit down. 
telling the brain, and I think he even uses that analogy, although they're horses. He said, you're going to train these horses all to pull in one direction. And that's where your joy is going to come from. So I, if I heard you correctly, you were saying the yin and yang is sometimes you want to be in the ice bath, but sometimes you want to be on the couch, you know, watching um, Harry Potter. Uh-huh. I like being on the couch watching Harry Potter, but I find at the end of it, my mood is lower generally, unless it's a real inspirational movie. Generally, my self-esteem that we were talking about earlier goes down a little bit after I watch that Harry Potter movie. Conversely, when I go to the gym and throw some heavy weights and get uncomfortable at the end of that workout, my mood has gone up a couple of titches. Titches, what's a titch? A couple of niches, a couple of ticks, (laughs) notches uh, after I work out. Uh, so I don't know if I'm necessarily pushing back on what you said as more asking for some clarification. Yeah. I would say that there's different roads to Rome. There is. And I totally agree with, I'm going to, I don't feel like working out, but I'm going to go and do it because I'm committed to it. And then I do it and I feel like a million bucks because I broke through. Plus I have the buzz from the working out, but I also broke through. I didn't want to yesterday. I went and spent a ball and a half at the ballpark and there were you know and my son was hitting with a couple of big league players it was great and it was it was not it was totally in my comfort zone that you know it was a great experience and good things happened and i was totally comfortable there was no element of pushing through anything so it's that that's the, again the yin and yang because it's it can be both but if you too, but I, I always feel like Goldilocks rules the world. That it's that there's too much, too little, and just right of almost everything. Forget these guys that go, 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 push it, push it, push it. That's great, and they make accomplish a lot. And they might be freaking miserable because they weren't really able to enjoy what they were accomplishing. It's like oh, do that so I can enjoy it, but they never enjoy it. Whereas this person over way too much could be like too cash, too on the couch, and then you're out of shape, and then they come and take your couch because you don't you don't do anything but sit around. That's not it either. And that's that's the art of living, is like, well, which is it? Well, what's the balance and what's the balance that's right for you? Good point, good point. Um and I feel my horses or my dogs um, can really get out of hand and can wreck my life. So I do respond a little more favorably to I've got to be firm. And I, and coming back to our original point of I know where that's coming from with myself, talking about my self-talk. I know where it's coming from is I want to, I want to be better. I want to have better performance. I want to you know, be a better dad, be better at work. Uh, you know, increase my income, get in shape. All those things are coming from a loving place. So I, it works for me to be hard on myself. Um, and it's not a, I'm very careful with myself talk about it being a degrading thing. I catch it more and more now. And that comes from meditation. I catch the, you're such an idiot, you know, or, oh, did you do that again, Adams? What's wrong with you? I'm catching that and just laughing at it, just letting it go, letting it dissolve, just like all other thoughts, you know, let that thought just dissolve. That's all it is. Um, so yeah, I hear you on your yin yang. And again, we came back to 7 billion different 
mindsets, right? Yeah. There's 7 billion different perceptions. So obviously different codes are going to unlock people in different ways. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, I've got a card right here. I pull, I like, um, I mentioned law of attraction, it, Abraham Hicks. I'll listen to, it's like, I, pull this, I can relax into my natural well-being, And it's sort of, so I took that with, I had my action item list here of what I want to knock out today. And then it's like, and it's okay if it's easy. I can let it, what if it's easy? What if I can just do it in a natural flowing kind of way? And I, I, I certified yoga teacher, uh, 96. I spent a month at, a, at Kripalu, the, we've talked about it. Um, and what I, what I had then, and I still do call old man yoga. I'll, I'll see like an older guy and he's just moving easy. You know, he's doing the postures and it's like, and now I'm starting to get, it's like, it's not, you know, there's a beauty in letting, doing it easy <laughs> and not struggling. I don't have to struggle through my list. What if I do it with ease? I do it with ease hmm. rather than, okay, I got to knock this out. Oh man, I'm going to do this hmm. and struggle through it. It's the same. That's where part of the beauty of yoga is like, okay, you do a down dog or do a warrior there's infinite number of ways of being in that pose. You brought up another uh, great chapter um, in that you had in there that in the passage uh, goes, and there's different people who are hard on themselves in different ways. And you say, if you do the hard things, life is easy. If you only do the easy things, life is hard. So what, and I would maybe even take that a step further to try to, um, shed a little more light on what you were just saying. There are some people who are always, that have always been hard on themselves and are too hard on themselves. So they need to adjust the yin or the yang in a different direction. Then there's the people clearly, you know, who are watching too much Harry Potter on the couch and they're being way too easy on themselves. And that generally is a recipe for depression if they keep going in that direction, because they're just not being hard on themselves uh, and hard in a gentle way. If, if we can make that distinction. Yeah. Well, it brings to mind, um, I talk about life as a double header and using our baseball <laughs> again, and that the game one is the results game, like the success in the world, the winning or accomplishing things, making money, external goals. Game two is your experience. What is it like to be you? Some people make millions of dollars and commit suicide because mm. they're miserable. You know, and other people are, are almost penniless and they're happy as clams. You know, I'd rather win, if I had to choose, rather win game two. That, oh, it's cool being me. Um, really have thought of sometimes that that's really game one, but people really relate to them this way. Um, I haven't read it yet, but I just saw um, David Brooks, the writer, wrote mm -hmm. a book New York called Times. The, Se the Second Mountain. And that's this as I, I haven't read the book but that's my he's calling it the, i'm calling it game two and he called it the second first mountain is like the external success and then it's like well yeah but is it cool to be you for me that's the the, the focus for for me or, or for my coaching would be like i want it to be true to, for you to say i love being me i love being hmm. me. is that true to the degree that it is i would consider that success yeah i always think of it as um to need nothing. And now that I need nothing, let's go out and grab some stuff and have fun with it and just enjoy it. 
just enjoy it for what it is, but not needing it as some sort of a affirmation of my constructed ego. Um, just liking a nice car because it's fun to be in a nice car and that's the extent of it. Um, I'm, I'm still working on that one. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's, uh, there's a, one more uh, element to your chart. So we started off with the gap where you are, where you want to be, making the declaration. I'm promising you, Coach Tom, I'm going to get to Y by X time, making the request of how you can help me with that, making the promise, renegotiating if I don't get to Y by a certain deadline, cleaning it up if I don't, um, if I don't uh, make that deadline. And then finally, the acknowledgement Mm-hmm. Uh, is that an acknowledgement that I made the goal? I mean, what type of praise is that? Because I am now understanding that praise obviously is good, but it has to be the right kind of praise. If you're praising the wrong thing, then you're, then the recipient of the praise could start having something unnatural that they're trying to defend because now they don't want to lose that. Mm-hmm. So what, what does that praise look like? Well, with acknowledgement, it is, you know, acknowledgement, of course, is going to be in the eye of the beholder. And it really means acknowledgement in terms of completion. It's like, okay, yes, you said you would do X by Y. You did X by Y. We're complete. And so it it doesn't have to have even this, hey, you did a great job. It can be that. um, And I like it usually when it is. Goldilocks again it can be too much of that oh you did a great job oh you put your right foot in front you're oh now you put your left foot and that was the right foot to put in front oh now you took another step it's like too much of that it's like come on um if people are kind of doing their jobs but acknowledgement is like I acknowledge that this is complete and people generally want to feel like they matter and what they do makes a difference and they often don't kind of usually don't in the business world and so that's where the acknowledgement um, can take on that bigger meaning of of praise in that hey this was really well done assuming it was um, that conveys that information to help give the person have that meaning have that esteem feel valued Um, but again feeling valued is up to the person (laughs) i can say and do all kinds of things but a person could still not feel valued Um, i can't control how valued they feel so um so there (laughs) well um i want to be sensitive to your time dr hansen um you've been very generous with it is there anything we left out we've been talking you know about the application of these principles not just on the field but in our family, uh, at work, with our friends in the neighborhood. Is there anything we left out? Well, yes. An almost infinite amount of things. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I feel very complete in, it's, it's in that we, uh, of what we did cover. Um, I would say, I would guess it's more of an underscoring sort of the messiness of it that's really caused by the fact that we each have our own lens. And that's why we have these terms and try to bring this clarity because more clearly you can articulate something 
it minimizes the chances of misperception or misunderstanding. Um, it doesn't eliminate it. it. It limits the chances of, of you know, when, when you've got something really clear, it's easier to hit. It's easier to hit a clear target. Or, if, um, make better choices when you think clearly. Clarity um, is, is power. I like that phrase. Clarity is power. And so we're trying to get who will do what by when. Will you do X by Y? Yes, I will do X by Y. <laughs> and getting clear. But even at that, it's going to be messy. And so if you can acknowledge that and know, ah, this is humans, um, and it's going to be like this, let's stay at it and, and, be, and, and see if we can really enjoy the challenge uh, together of coordinating action. I think that's what I would just underscore. And I, I really think that's underscoring because that's because we talked about so many things <laughs> and, I, and it's like, Hey, it's this, but it's also this. It's, it's not, uh, you know, so easy design the play, run the play. And then wherever the ball is from now, design another play, <laughs> learn, design another play and run it <laughs> and learn, design another play and run the play. I thought of an addendum um, that I think is uh, pretty applicable in the coaching space um, because good coaches like you, like at the elite level, um, can be what some people would deem pricey and expensive. Uh, however, when you drill down on the concept, there seems to be, and the stats bear this out, there seems to be some correlation with results based upon the level of uh, investment that the coachee uh, puts in. So mm -hmm. if, I, if I'm really invested in the process and invested in the results, not just financially, but emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally invested, if I'm all in, in other words, um, the results are, are, are much greater is that can you drill down a little bit on the importance of investing in the process absolutely i certainly find that the more uh, the more in i am the more committed i am the better result i get i i also find um that when just what what you said in terms of like well there's more of an investment then you're more all in it's also a different kind of person um with the level of readiness um that makes that commitment is playing that level then versus that buys a just buys one book as books are great i'm into books it's just a very different level of engagement so we do tend to get out of something what we put into it so um that's what i'd say to that it kind of simple math too if your coach costs you $50,000 for the year and you end up making $250,000 more than you would have made that year. Um, do you want someone to give you $200,000 is really what it kind of boils down to. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, and maybe it takes you three years to make that 250, but it's still 200 more than you would have made had you not have someone clarifying the gap, the gap yeah. that, that you're not getting. You told me you wanted to lose 20 pounds. You said you were, you knew how to do it. You are 20 pounds heavy. You do not know how to do it based on results. And, you know, and again, I know that sounds trite. I know I sound like I'm being a know-it-all when I say that, but that's not where it's coming from for me. It's coming from because you told me you wanted to do it. So I want you to do what makes you happy. 
Um, if you told me you wanted to gain 20 pounds, well, I'll teach you how to do that. That one's relatively easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has been a true pleasure. Uh, we have, as, as I hope by now, you guys have checked out the show notes, been talking with Dr. Tom Hansen, the CEO of Heads Up Performance. Uh, he's written the book, Heads Up Baseball, Playing the Game One Pitch at a Time. And we've been talking about one of his other books, Who Will Do What by When, which he co-authored with his beautiful bride, Birgit. Great book. Where can people pick up the book and where can people find out more about you? Well, Heads Up Performance dot com hyphenless heads up performance dot com is our website and you can contact us through there my email is dr tom hanson d-r-t-o-m-h-a-n-s-o-n at gmail dr tom hanson at gmail.com be happy to hear hear from you and um or have a conversation with birgit I'm, I'd, I'd be like the warm-up act <laughs> i'd love to talk with her and for a conversation particularly about the accountability stuff she's really uh fantastic at um, getting that stuff really into the bones into the bodies of the people that uh, uh that are ready for it who want it and are ready for it the way and she carries herself i always notice when i'm around her i'm very careful with what i commit to when i'm around her because i know she's going to hold me to it she's powerful she's yeah. forceful She's powerful. She's got energy. Good, good, positive, strong energy. Yeah, yep. no question. And I'm looking forward to all of us going to Iceland to do an ice bath with Wim Hof. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, they, uh, so. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, Dr. Tom Hansen. Thank you, brother. Talk soon. For our full schedule of fights on the NBC Sports Network, CW and ABC affiliates, visit unitedfightalliance.com. United Fight Alliance. United we fight.